Good evening, church, and thank you so much for joining us tonight. My name's Cole. I'm the pulpit minister here at Central Church of Christ, and this is Dan Spaeth. He's one of our elders. And here at Central Church of Christ, it's our mission to be God's heart and hands in this community and beyond. And if you'd like to learn more about what that means and what that looks like, I want to encourage you to check out our website at www.churchofvictoria.com, or you can check us out on Facebook. This is our Thursday evening conversation yep. through the Law and the Prophets, where we really break down some of the uh, most important people and events in the scriptures and we don't we're not going to necessarily go verse by verse chapter by chapter no we're going to no. skip some stuff because we're really dealing about sin and punishment and and what the law and the prophets were about absolutely and and and, and you know we'll we'll connect it some to the new testament but not always but we will connect it some to the new testament well you, it, it need, every story needs a beginning yeah. and genesis is the beginning genesis of, was of, the beginning. Yep. of the story mm-hmm. of what god is doing with mankind and his creation and yep. so we're taking our time we're in no rush no and we're in no rush but we're certainly not going to go verse by verse no. so for those of you who are worried yeah. about <laughs> and, it, and if and if you if you like the you know if you like what we're doing if you don't like what we're doing let us know you know i know that cole tracks it pretty pretty regular and we know pretty much how many views how many people are watching and what the comments are sometimes. And, you know, if you like it, I get phone calls from time to time. People say, man, I really like that or didn't like that. Or, you know, so let us know what you like and what you don't like. You know, let us know if we made a mistake. Absolutely. You know, we'll make Absolutely. mistakes. And In fact, just recently I was challenged on on something something uh, you said. Uh-oh. <laughs> not, Uh-oh. not me, but, Uh-oh. but you, it was him. It was him. No, but, but in all seriousness, you know, church. Was I right or was I wrong? <laughs> care. <laughs> Peace, brother. Peace. <laughs> no, but seriously, church, iron sharpens iron. So if you see something that, that you disagree with or that, you know, we're teaching and that, that you don't agree with for whatever reason, whatever it is, hey, let's talk about mm-hmm. it. We're all reasonable people. And, you Absolutely. know, we, I mean, I'm loving having these conversations and uh, it's it's a great blessing and an enjoyment to get to go through God's word. Uh, but We talked about some stuff while ago down in Pam's office about some stuff that you and I didn't agree on. Uh, just, yeah, that's just right. a while ago. We don't have to agree on everything. But seriously, church, if there is an issue, if there is something, don't hold on to it. Let us Absolutely. know. Please let us know. We can't make this better and we can't get it where it reaches more people. And our ultimate goal is we're, we're, we're trying to reach out and save folks. That's what we're trying to do. You know, let them know why the Old Testament's there. What is why is it why is it even necessary for us in the in the 21st century? You know why is it? Why does any of that stuff out apply to us? That's right. Why does Noah? Why do we care? That's right. Well, you know, we're trying to help people to connect it to their own lives, and uh, hopefully, we're we're getting that done. I hope. On that note, if you really like the the class and you like the content, and you're watching on Facebook. Make sure to give it a like and make sure to share. That really helps us out. And if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed and you have the bell on so you get notified every time we Absolutely. upload a class. Absolutely. Um, I think we're ready to start. Let's pray. Brother, you ready? And we'll get started. Father, bless us this afternoon as we as we prepare this class and as we record this class. We pray, Father, that it'll be a uh, be a, a an inspiration and a benefit to those who are listening. Uh, that they will learn and they will they will be uh, challenged, and that they will be able to uh, to learn it in a way where they can where they can t- tell it to those around them. Father, we we pray your blessings upon the, uh, this church as we move forward, as we strive to grow, and as we strive to to get better and get closer to you and get uh, all of our members uh, in, a, in a place where they can they can live out the life of Christ. That's what our goal is. That's what our, that's what our vision is. And we just pray, Father, that you bless this church as we move forward. Thank you uh, for this class, and thank you for the technology we have. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, brothers, so let me ask you a question. <laughs> <laughs> what pleases you? What pleases me? Mm-hmm. What do you find pleasing, refreshing, um, 
beautiful to behold? What it, What is it that pleases you? An elder in the Lord's church in the year 2020, with all the chaos and insanity going on around us. Um, you know, I've got uh, I've got a good family, my personal family and my spiritual family, and that's really pleasing to me. I know of so many people that their families are a mess. They're a train wreck. My family's not a train wreck. Uh, doesn't mean we haven't made mistakes. Doesn't mean there's not things going on. But, but uh, you know, my, two of my boys are, are together today, and they're uh, with some of my grandkids, and they've gone hunting. They're, they're going to be gone for three days. And, and uh, that they can do that. I know, I know of families where, where siblings can't even talk to each other. So that pleases me. And that, that What that tells me is that we must have done something fairly right, and that God has has been in the mix in their lives, and that's that's really pleasing. When I when I think of the church, I mean, we we spend you and I spend a lot of time together. We spend a lot of a lot of energy up here, and and it's uh, it's pleasing to see the the growth in people. We had, you know, this is recorded on a Monday, so you know they'll see it in a couple of weeks. And and we had men's breakfast this morning. We had twenty two guys showed up, and mm-hmm. and uh, we had some guys come that that have not been coming before, and that was a good thing, and that pleases me. It means we're that means we're moving forward. And that that's pleasing to me. So, uh, and, and you know, of course, you know, for this is for John L. I like ice cream. That pleases me a great deal. <laughs> and that's just this little side thing for John L. Because he made a comment to me the other day about it. He said, "I learned one thing from the questions. You really like ice cream." <laughs> so, but so, what pleases you? What what do you, what do you find really pleasing in your life? You know, when I before coming into Christ. If you'd asked me what I found pleasing, I think my answer would have been working on the trucks, um, coming together as a team to accomplish a mission. You know, before before working in the civilian world, uh, you know, serving in the army, you know, the mission, you know, everything's mission minded. You're always thinking mission. What is the mission? What is the mission? How do I accomplish the mission? And you know, that's you breathe, you eat, you drink, you mission. Mm-hmm. And um, coming out of that, you know, I really haven't let any of that go. I'm still all about the mission, and you know, working in in the civilian world. Uh, in EMS, it was it was the mission. The mission was one patient. That was always the mission, you know, unless it was a mass casualty scene or something like that. And then, you know, we had a lot of missions, but it's one patient. It's taking control of the scene. It's working together as a team and it's accomplishing the job, you know, being that intervention. Now, not every call is like that. You know, I've been called to residences because people couldn't get up to get pillows. I'm not kidding. People really? called 911 for that, but it is what it is, you know, how horrible would it be if you were that guy who couldn't get up and get a pillow? You had to call 911 for that, you know? Wow. You know, I remember being woken up at like 2 in the morning for that one in <laughs> wow. Mission, Texas. But, you know, looking at it then, looking at it then, that would have greatly, that did greatly frustrate mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Like, man, do you not know what we're doing? And do you not? But now looking at it going, man, how horrible must it be to be living in that type of condition? where you don't have anybody you can call, you don't have anybody to help you, you're all alone, and you've got to call 911 because you, you feel like you need this comfort and you just don't have it, and we're the only ones who can provide it. That's got to be horrible. This side of Christ, I'm able to recognize that. And so now what pleases me is coming together with the people of God and accomplishing his mission, um, doing things that I know please him, uh, you know, I used to, when I first came into the church, I would say, I used to think, you know, gosh, just don't, you, you, all you guys want to do is pray. We got to go do something. Mm-hmm. Now I've recognized 
years later, after much study and, and a lot of time in prayer myself, now I realize that one of the, some of the most, the most important thing we can do is be in prayer to the Father and turn things over to Him and wait for Him in patience. And I know that pleases Him as well. Um, so I would say that's really where I, I've, I'm pleased, I would say, is when I see that happening, you know, when I get up in the morning and I pray with my son or we go over scripture or, you know, watching my son memorize Bible verses, you know, uh, encouraging him to do that, encouraging my daughters to do that, um, encouraging them to look at life from this perspective, this God perspective, I would say, uh, that pleases me. Watching my wife's spirit, spirituality grow and watching her faith in God grow and watching her take steps in that faith grow and knowing that I get to be a part of that, I would say that certainly pleases me. All those things are incredibly pleasing. So, yeah, that's what I would say for sure. Somebody asked me the other day, how, you know, how do you know these questions? Because these aren't scripted. <laughs> I never know what you're going to ask me. Right. I have no idea. And, uh, and I said, sometimes I don't even know at, until halfway through the class, oh, that's wh how, why he asked me that question. This is how it connects. You know, sometimes it's, uh, it's hard for us. I mean, we don't, you know, I don't know how it's going to connect sometimes. I'm looking at the text we have, and, I'm, and, I'm, uh, and, I'm, and I know exactly how this, is, this question connects. Uh, because we're going to look at a text here that says this was pleasing to God, uh, and and uh, and I think that is extremely important to find to find in our life what pleases God, and then set about doing those things in our life. What is it that pleases Him? And uh, and I think uh, when you look at Luke chapter fifteen, we call it the the parables of the lost, lost sheep, lost uh -huh. coin, or lost son. Right. Yeah. And uh, and to and to know the the uh, the joy that that is is related to us from, uh, you know, when a lost sheep, he said, there's there's rejoicing in heaven over this one lost sheep that's found. And then the, when the woman finds her coin, it says there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels. Well, that tells me that not only are the angels rejoicing, but God and Jesus, his son and the Holy Spirit are rejoicing as well over one lost. And then you see the 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 you see the the father's response to the son coming home and he runs and he throws his arms around that smelly little kid and, and uh, well, big kid. And, and, and he's just overwhelmed, just so grateful. And I think that, that until the church, until it pleases us, when people are lost and they're no longer lost anymore, I don't think we'll ever fully understand how God feels when someone is lost and is found again. We have to get to a place where seeking and saving the lost is a, uh, is, is, a, is a passion for us, I believe, because I think that is the ultimate. I know God loves to hear us talk to him. He loves to see us grow, but he loves to see people come to him. That's what Jesus went to the cross for. That's how, why Jesus hung on a cross and died, because he wanted to give us an opportunity to come to him and have a relationship with him. You know how, I mean, it tells us three different examples in that one chapter, how pleasing it is, how much joy and rejoicing there is over that one sinner that repents. You know, I think that, uh, that we need to really wrap our minds around it. And sadly, in a lot of places, you know, being evangelistic is not a, not a prerequisite. They don't really, they don't spend a lot of time and effort in mission fields and, and just talking to people about Christ. And many, many people today don't even know, they couldn't navigate through the text to find a way to, to present the gospel to someone. They don't even know how. And that's sad. That's sad. Because, because we, have, we have so many people that are lost out there. 
so many so many people are lost well and and for so many people too you know we we talk about you know those who don't who might not know and that is sad and it is sad when when that passion isn't there mm-hmm. when we we lose that flame maybe a little bit um but for a lot of people too it's it's put in unrealistic perspectives mm-hmm. you know when i tell somebody about the gospel whether by word or deed you know when i live it and when i tell somebody about it i understand that my job was merely to tell them about sure, it sure absolutely my job isn't to convert no. my job isn't to to immerse my job no. isn't to i mean do i want to do all those things absolutely do i want to see that cha- absolutely but the reality is that god opened lydia's heart mm-hmm. that's between that person and god mm-hmm. all god has asked me to do is speak yeah. And so with that in mind, but it's so easy. Look, you know, and, and, look, look, let me tell you, let me tell you the story real quick. We're, we'll get into Genesis here in a second. But I remember when I was, I came out of a, of, of a household, okay, that was, that was mainly independent Baptist, a little bit of Calvinist, okay. And uh, when I learned the gospel, when I really learned what it was and I, and I converted, I was so excited, you mm-hmm. know. And I told everybody I could, everybody I could, I told, I told small to short sure. co-workers family yep. the whole nine yards ended up alienating a lot of my family because I, I didn't know how to share good news in a good way uh i went to sunset ended up going to sunset started learning all sorts of things left and right and when i came home i came home thinking we i was up there for two terms and then we had a christmas break and i was coming home to visit family over christmas and i thought or excuse me let me rephrase we were there for four terms we were coming home and visiting family and supporters over summer so I'd been there a year, and I thought, man, I've got a year worth of sunset behind me. I know the arguments in and out. I know the fa- I know how to show. I know how to navigate the book and show people and everything. I know all this stuff. I have all these tools now. And I went home and I talked to friends. I talked to family, and you know what I found? None of them cared. Yeah. And it didn't matter what I said. It didn't matter what I did. It didn't matter how I presented or how hard I talked to people or how much love I showed people. It just didn't matter because they didn't care. You know what happened? I went home from that. Or when I say I went home, go ahead and back up to Lubbock. We stopped in San Antonio for a few days, and I was distraught in my soul. And I thought, man, if I can't, after sitting at the feet of these men who've been preaching and teaching the gospel for 30, 40 years, you know, collectively, we're, we're looking at hundreds probably of hundreds of years mm-hmm. collectively sitting at the feet of these men who've been doing this. And I can't even go home and convince people who know me and love me and care about me. What business do I have at sunset? I had totally forgotten what the mission was. Yeah. I had totally lost sight of, I had totally lost perspective. And how often does that happen mm-hmm. where we have brothers and sisters who've, who have shared, who have told people, who have said something, and then enemies come in and said, you're worthless. They see they don't care. But, but what I'm saying is, you have someone that comes up to you and says, I'm lost, I need to find Jesus. They could navigate through the book and, and, and teach them if their life depended on it because they just don't know how. You know, and, and I think until we get, now there's not going to be, everybody's going to have that kind of talent. Not everybody will be able to do that. There's going to be some that are, that are just, in, they just encourage you know that's what they do, uh, but but if you don't know why you're saved, if you don't know at least the basics of why you're saved, and you can't find two or three verses to get that 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 needs you need to rethink yourself. 
I really think you really well, think and I, and I don't disagree with that. You should be able to look. Peter, there's no question, okay? Peter says very clearly in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, always be ready. Sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart. Answer. Always be ready to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness yep. and reverence. It's right there yep. in the text. You should absolutely be able to give a reason. Mm-hmm. I'm certainly not defending that. What I am saying, though, is sometimes when people know something, but they've been beat down so oh, okay. much. I, I agree with that. I you know, yeah. I mean, it's it's because the enemy is insidious. You know, Peter warns us he's like a roaring lion seeking those whom he, whom he may devour. The enemy is insidious and he wants us to believe his lies, mm-hmm. his lies that we're worthless, that we're incapable, that we're not going to do it. And think, and our culture in the United States backs that up. Mm-hmm. Our culture says, hey, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Mm-hmm. You ought to be able to go out and accomplish. You got to be able to go do this very type A type personality type thinking. Boom, 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 laid out. And if you can't, if you can't achieve... Well, is that what God says? No. God says very clearly, you speak. You know, Jeremiah, how, I mean, how, how many years did Isaiah preach? How many years did Jeremiah preach? How many years did Noah preach? We're yeah. right here in the text. Let's segue a little bit back to the text here. Right here in the text, Noah preached for how long? 120 years. Only his family got on the boat. Yeah. He got on the boat, his family got on Jesus the boat. Jesus was here for three years. It says in the text in John that we don't even have, we have, we have nothing, no, no really material you know, if we, if we had the material, if the whole world could contain the books. It would be written, is what John says. And so, and how many were how many were uh, uh, were there at the at the end? What 100, 120 people is all was there in the upper room. That's right. You know, he he still got he still got his twelve guys, uh, but you know, I mean, he fed five thousand, fed four thousand, that's nine thousand people he fed. And that was I just the men. That was just the men. So I mean, no telling how many people that followed him around, but they didn't care either. The point is. Our job is to speak. Yeah. And when we forget that, when we lose sight of that, when we start thinking it's our job to bring over, it's our job to convince, and nobody is convinced, nobody is brought over. Well, I mean, what is? We started off asking what is pleasing, right? And well, that was kind of we, the question. We, we got a great a great text here, you know that that tells us here is something that pleases God, yeah. that Noah found. You know, did he know that was going to happen? Probably. He probably had done that before, I guess. Because, you know, the sacrificial system, you know, there, a form of sacrifice had already been put in. We'd already looked at it in Genesis chapter 4. Right, right. So mm-hmm. there was a sacrifice system. The fat portions is what is what uh, Abel brought. You know, Cain didn't, and Cain, for some reason, got angry, killed his brother. But so there was that that already, that history for them. Right. So Noah knew this. And it says in chapter 8, verse 20, it says that Noah built an altar to the Lord. This is after they've come out. God has receded the water. That's he's right. remembered about him. He's caused a wind to go. And the, for 150 days, the water's on the ground. And then he has a wind come for 150 days or something to that effect. And 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 then when Noah looks out after another 40 days, he looks out and the ground is all dry. Hmm. And out they come. Yep. And and what he what he tells them, in, you know, uh, you know, it's it's going to, uh, you know, here he says when they come out, you know, can you imagine hold up in that boat with seven other people for over a year with all these animals to take care of and the filth and the mess and the smell that must have been there? And it says, then Noah built an altar to the Lord and taking some of the clean animals and clean birds. Remember, God said to take pears and then extras and so some of the clean animal clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it, and the Lord smelled a pleasing aroma and said to his to his heart, Never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood, and never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. You know, he's he's beginning 
right there to say, I'm going to make a promise to you. We call it, we call it a covenant. He's going to make that covenant in the next chapter. And he said, I'm going to put a sign on it. But here, the, the, the thing that I underlined a while ago was, the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said to his heart. You know, he, it, this was a pleasing aroma. And I asked you a while ago, have you ever smelled a burning carcass? <laughs> yeah, no. Pleasing aroma is not what comes to my mind. It just doesn't. Yeah, I mean, if you if you if you burn a carcass, it does not smell good. That's not what he's smelling here. He's smelling the 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 bringing of Noah's heart. That's what he's smelling. He's smelling the he's smelling the reaction that Noah has to coming out of that boat, being so thankful that he's that he has he has survived because of God, that God has saved him. And he offers this sacrifice, and the and the stench of the animal is not what's pleasing. It's what Noah has done is what's pleasing, well, and that's going to go on. We'll see that. We talked about that a while ago. We we we'll see that uh, all through the New, the New Testament, where it talks yeah. about sweet aromas. Go ahead. What were you saying? Well, also imagine the setting here. Mm-hmm. What do you think? What do you think happened to all the people and all of the animals that were drowned and killed? Well, it's been a year. It's been a year, and they only they died probably within the first the first, you know, day. Do you think any of that refuse is still around? Oh, I'm sure probably some. So you know, here Noah is basically standing in the largest graveyard that we could ever possibly conceive. But you're the medical guy. I'm not a medical guy. I don't know how long a dead body, how long it takes them to decompose. I mean, is a year? I mean, is a year? Because it because it says that God caused a wind to come and dry the ground. So. Yeah. So some of them were laying in a muck for a while as they as it, it come down. Now remember they landed on a kind of on a mountain, so so that the, a lot of the people would have been down in the valley where they where they drowned. Maybe some of them were trying to climb the mountain to get up there. I don't know, but there's got to be a muck in a mire. There. He's just walked out of this ark where he was preserved, and he's standing on a testament to God's horrible judgment. Judgment. Yeah. Not horrible as an evil, but it's just it's it is horrifying overwhelming and overwhelming overwhelming judgment at the absolute judgment that God has brought against creation and rightly so. And Noah's response to this is a it's Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. it's sacrifice, it's a recognition that God is holy and righteous even in His judgment. Some people would have said enough things have died already. I'm killing something else. Yeah, some, that's what some people would have said. I imagine. Well, I mean, I imagine a lot of people would have a lot of different reactions. Oh, I'm sure they would, but they're all dead. Yeah, <laughs> they're all dead. Noah's not. That's why Noah's not because he's the only one that found favor in God's eyes, right? And he's the only one that that was doing what God said to begin with. And so you know that when he comes out after, can you imagine what it must have been like for the first couple of days? Is you know, people. I'm sure there's some. That, I mean, they floated around for a while on on pieces of board and stuff and. You know, I mean, trying to trying to survive, and then starving to death, and you know, and it just so. And Noah and his family had to experience all that stuff because they didn't have they didn't have propulsion on that boat. It just right. floated, floated up, and fl- kind of floated around. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was this wasn't this wasn't a stormy sea or anything. This was just floodwaters overcoming the the seas, the rivers, the Gulf. Everything, nothing is going to survive. Yeah, because there is no place to stand. There's no place to rest. Everything's going to survive, and that is that is an awesome judgment. It is it is it is cat- catastrophic. 
And it really so is. the first thing Noah does in the midst, in the it, right after this catastrophic judgment, is offer this sacrifice, which is pleasing to God. And I think you're dead on. I think you're absolutely right. It isn't. It isn't just the sacrifice. And we and we could go look in the minor prophets and Amos and stuff like that, where he very clearly says, you know. I'm spit out your sacrifices yeah. and your Sabbaths and your moons. It's yeah. a stench because your hearts are far from me. And that's what that's what I'm saying. When Cornelius in Acts chapter ten it says it says that his his alms and his prayers have gone up as a sweet aroma to me. You know, it wasn't it wasn't he was wasn't burning sacrifice, but his prayers and his and his and his giving had gone up and God was looking at what he was doing. He's looking at the he was looking at the result of a pure heart, a contrite heart. And that's what's pleasing to God. Yes, it says in verse 4, Cornelius uh, started him in fear, so there was an angel that appeared to him. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. And in some text it says, as a sweet aroma. Oh, I'm sure it does. I think the King James says a sweet aroma. Uh, Maybe the New American Standard says that too. Uh, but you know, it, it it was a it was an aroma that God smelled. You know, in Second Corinthians chapter two, I believe it says that that uh, that we are the smell of death to some and the smell of life to others. Uh, when he when Paul alludes to the Roman triumph in that text, that we are always led in triumphal procession. I think at the end of that chapter, and it talks about the aroma that we are uh, to a lost and dying, and to God as well. Not because we smell or we stink. It's because what's coming from our lives, what are, what are what we're doing it's is pleasing. we're being obedient to God. Yeah. God always, you know, there again, what's that one that that one of those those points of success? Be obedient to God. Absolutely. Do what God says. And if you do that, you'll be successful. It may go south. You know, society can go south. Society went south here, but he was obedient to God. You know, you look at Job, and Job was obedient to God, even though Satan came up and threw all these accusations, all this garbage, and saying, I'm rah, 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 but to, to God, Job still was faithful to God. He still was, and it was and it was pleasing to God. It's not about the, the sacrifice, the smell of that smoke. It is about the, the act that he did it, and that he, it came from where his heart was. That's what God's looking for. He's Absolutely. still looking for that today. No Still question. looking for that from us today. So, guys, you're watching, and you want to please God. I can tell you how to do that. Yeah. Listen to what He has to say, and and do what He tells you. First, you got to find Him. You 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 pray to God. God, help me find Your Son. And then you pray, God, help me when I find Him to listen to Him. And then when I find Him and listen to Him, help me be obedient to what He tells me. As you're reading through the text and you're praying, that's the thing. That's what you ought to be asking yourself. I want to find him. I want to listen to him. And then I want to be obedient to him. And if you do that, God will save you. As Christ is the seed. That's what we've been that's waiting right. for. Remember this whole narrative starting yep. starting in Genesis 3. Mm-hmm. We're waiting for this seed. Mm-hmm. And so Noah's come. And now look at all of these blessings. Noah was righteous before God. We, see this, we see this yep. blessing. And so, is it Noah? That's that's right. kind of what we're wondering. So it's let's 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 look at the rest of this covenant here in, okay. in nine. You want to go ahead? Yeah, and we're going to start in chapter nine. Uh, then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, "Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. The fear and dr- and dread of you will fall on all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky, on every creature that moves along the ground, and on all the fish of the sea. They are given into your hand." You see what's just happening here? It leads you to believe that they had no fear before. Because well, now sure. the fear of you is going to fall on them. They had just spent, 
they have just spent a year with all these animals, and these animals are going to come off this off this boat, and God says, and now they're going to be afraid of you. You know what happens to when some animals are afraid of you? You know what they do? Yeah, they attack. They attack you. Mm-hmm. You know if they're cornered. Yeah. You know you some of them don't have to be cornered. They're, they're the fear of man will will cause them to to. I mean, it'll cause them to flee. It'll cause them to attack. It'll cause them to respond sometimes in a negative way. That's what that's what's happened here, you know. And he said, and then he says, everything that lives and moves about will be food for you, just as I give you the green plants. I now give you everything. So what does that tell you? They didn't evidently have it before. Yeah, no, they were. That's veget- what it sounds like. It sounds like to me like they were vegetarians. That's what it sounds like. And then he says. But you must not eat meat that has its lifeblood still in it. See, if they had not done it before, they wouldn't know that that man. We need to cook this stuff. You know, we need. They went out and pulled a carrot and just ate it. They pulled a potato and they maybe ate it. Well, now they're going to kill an animal, and God's saying, "Wait a minute! Don't kill it with the blood in it." Well, I mean, don't, don't eat it eat with it. the blood in it. It's hard not to kill it. With yeah, it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to keep the blood in it if you don't kill it. You know, but. Uh, and if you can't kill it, if it's got blood in it, then then yeah. you ain't killing much there. It says, and for your life, lifeblood, I will surely demand an accounting. I will de- demand an accounting from every animal and from each human being, too. I will demand an accounting for the life of... He's going to demand it from the animals, too? That's what he said. That's what it says. Whoever sheds human blood, by human hands their blood should be shed. For in the image of God has God made mankind. Do you see now how important God is? And yet, then he says in other places, he said, I put people in place to punish. And sometimes people are going to punish with death. I mean, God is God said that. Here he's, he's telling them, be careful, because what does God still remember? What Cain get, did to Abel. You know, so, and he said, as for you, be fruitful and increase in number. Multiply on the earth and increase upon it. Then God said to Noah and his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you, and with every living creature that was with you, the birds, the living livestock, and all the wild animals, all those that came to the ark with, uh, came out of the ark with you. Everything, every living creature on earth, I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be destroyed by waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant I'm making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it. Remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. An everlasting covenant that God has made to these people and to us because we're in in that everlasting part. Mm -hmm. He has made it to us as well. I will never destroy the earth again with this way again. Every time I see a rainbow, I'll be reminded not to do that. You know, I mean, the prospects of of destruction is still there. He's told us in Second Thessalonians that when he when Jesus is going to come back and he's going to and with his powerful angels and blazing fire and the next time he's going to he's going to destroy it with intense heat. The next time he's not going to just destroy mankind. He's going to destroy creation. He's going to destroy it all and then rebuild it. That's what he tells us. So you know here, but I think what's important for us to know is, and I think a lot of people don't under, don't know this that this is even here. 
that God made a covenant. This is really the first covenant he made. Let's let we agree that this is really the first actual covenant he makes with a sign. You know, he's gonna he's gonna make more of them. Uh, we'll talk about them later. But but here's here's a very important covenant that God makes, and 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 I think you know we need to explain what a covenant is. So covenant simply put is a promise okay um there are lots of different covenants in Mm -hmm. scriptures we Mm -hmm. see lots of different covenants made between people Mm -hmm. and between god and people Mm -hmm. um so that's but that's basically what it is it's a promise i I don't want to get super technical well let me let me see if i can be just a little bit more complicated but it's it's a binding agreement between two parties correct with conditions to be met on both sides Okay. Not always. Well, but that, but that's a, that's kind of a general like, idea. For example, with this covenant right here, there was no condition on their no, side. No, not on that, not on their side, but on God's side. Correct. There's, a, there's always conditions to be met by somebody. Yes. God always makes conditions, and He always follows them. Now when He makes covenant. And let's be very clear, with covenants, God, there. So, what you're talking about, where there are conditions on both sides, mm-hmm. um, a lot of times that's what we call parity covenant, mm-hmm. and God doesn't make parity covenants and what i mean by that is god doesn't say god doesn't allow man to ever dictate the terms on god well god always dictates the terms of the covenant always when you look at the the covenant we'll look at here pretty quick you know there is a, there is a covenant going to be made and uh, and god's going to require well, response yes, from but him. but no and, and he does Abraham, here too you know, well, let's. He does Noah, here too, right? But Noah, Abraham, Moses—they don't look at God and say, "Okay, God, you pony up this, no, and we'll no, pony up that." No, and they and God doesn't. God always does that, that himself. God always, always sets does the terms, himself. and so that's that's yeah. what I'm saying. Whenever now, there's a covenant, he always he always is the one that dictates the terms. Now we've got we've got an example of people trying to make a covenant. Well, with that's God. not the same. That's that's not. <laughs> but what that's we're it's it's not the same thing. God, when God agrees to a covenant, when God. Um, sets forth a covenant. He always dictates the Yeah, terms. not agrees to one, but sets forth a covenant. Sets forth, Here yeah. he sets forth a covenant. He said, I'm going to make a promise to you. This That's is the right. conditions of the promise. The conditions of the promise are, I will never do this ever again. And That's why, what he said. Why does it matter? We're talking about covenants, contracts, promises. We're talking about all these things. We're talking about terms and everything. Because People we're are... in the middle of a covenant now. That's why it matters. Yeah. Because, you know, we celebrate, we in the Church of Christ celebrate the Lord's Supper every first day of the week. I think it's the most important thing we do. I don't understand how. Well, I'm not going to get into all that. And, you know, I, I, but it for me, it's the most important thing we do because we are in covenant relationship. Because with we God. are in co- if you have been immersed into Christ, you are in covenant relationship with God. And and for us, the Lord's Supper is a reminder and a and a commemoration and a memorial of that thing that made that covenant possible: the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And that's what we celebrate every first day of the week. Right. And and I and I can't I don't ever want to see us not I, I would rather you know I, I, I'm going to get into this I'm going to step in my I'm going to step in it I don't you know I, I don't know any churches that don't take a collection every Sunday what like an offering yeah like a like a monetary yeah offering? like a monetary offering yeah imagine I met well but, but that's more important than te- than remembering what Jesus did on the cross you, you're talking about like denominationally no I'm just other churches yeah denominational churches. You know, yeah, I mean, imagine. I mean, there are a lot of places that that do not remember the the Lord's Supper every week. Oh no, you know, they yeah, do there are plenty. Some, yeah, there they plenty. do it quarterly or whatever. Right. I don't understand that. Well, it's more important to take collection. Well, you know, when you, I mean, look. See, that's I'm, why I said I'm going to step in this here. I'm I'm just saying, but you know, we look at the Word and we say this is what it says and this is what we're going to do. Well, other people look at the Word and they say, well, that sounds good and all, but I'm going to do whatever I want. 
Well, and if you're in covenant, if you're in covenant relationship, you don't look at the word and say, no, I'm going to do whatever I no. want. Sometimes looking at the word hurts. Sometimes it's really difficult. It's got hard stuff in it. You know, and, and it's, uh, you know, when I look at this and I say, you know, this was important to God. Let me rephrase that. I said it's got hard stuff in it. That's not true. It's actually really easy. Yeah. His yoke is easy to bear. Yeah. The problem, the question that we all have to ask is, when we come to the Bible, when we come to Scripture, what are we doing? What we should be doing is we should be laying our lives right alongside the text. And where we see any difference, we don't change what the text says. We change who we are. Yeah. We always change to try and to meet then, God. And then that life will be pleasing and a, and a sweet aroma to God. I mean, look, if you want to shake your fist at God and say, hey, I'm going to do whatever I want. Hey, have at it. We just saw what happened. Yeah. We just saw it what happened. It will happen again. And we know not judgment this is coming way, again. You know, I mean, look, let's 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 uh, let's not quibble here. The reality is there is a difference between claiming to follow Jesus and following Jesus. Yeah. Jesus made it very clear. If you want to if you want me, you need to pick up your cross and follow me. Mm-hmm. And anyone who puts their hand to the plow and then looks back is unworthy. Yeah, it's just that simple. So you're either going to follow him. And if you follow him, if you're going to follow Jesus, then the question should be, what do you want me to do? Yeah. How do you want me to live and, and, my life? And this really, this text here really is just a precursor, a preamble to what the covenants that are coming next. Absolutely. Because the one that's coming next is a is a uh, uh, is a covenant that Jesus was ultimately came from from that covenant relationship, from the the covenant that he's going to make with Abraham. That's right. Uh, in in a, in a few chapters, we'll we'll get there in a, in a few weeks. Looks like <laughs> it'll take us a while, but but you know, I think I, I think we wanted to establish what this covenant was and and what it how how important this is to us how important it was to abraham i mean to noah and how important it is not this covenant itself i mean we look at a rainbow i don't think of the flood you know i don't think of that i mean i i know this text is here all right Right. but i would be willing to say that there's probably a lot of people that call themselves christians that did not know this covenant was here they have not read this and, and looked at it. They knew that there was a sign about the rainbow. I know a lot of, even our kids know that. You know, they know that the rainbow came after the flood. Well, you know, when they see a, a, a now when I see a rainbow, I'm going to remember the covenant that God made. That's right. The promise that he made. And, and that was the precursor to other promises that were coming. Well, and he's faithful to his promise. When we look at that rainbow, and this is this is really... The other side of the coin, I would say, to the covenant is not only do we have God saying, I'm going to do these things, but then we get to watch God constantly be faithful to his word mm-hmm. and his promise. Mm-hmm. And we can trust God to keep that word and that promise. And that's so important. Absolutely. Because if we're in covenant relationship with God, he has promised us some awesome things. He has said, right, if you do this, right, if you believe, right, you will be saved. Mm-hmm. That's what he says. And so I believe and I'm saved, right? Now, obviously, there's a lot that goes into that, sure. church. So don't hear something I'm not saying, no. okay? No. I'm making it very simple. John 3, 16 is very clear. For all those who, uh, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but of everlasting life. And that was right after the conversation that Jesus had with Nicodemus, where Jesus very clearly said you had to be born of water and spirit. Mm-hmm. So I mean it just like John means it. When we believe, when we have faith, his grace Saves us. And if you go all the way to the end of that chapter, is that he that rejects me has no life in him. If you don't, if you don't acknowledge me and don't be unobedient to me and you reject me, you're not going to have salvation anyway. When we look at the rainbow, we can see God in his awesomeness 
and in his just awesome ability that he constantly keeps his word. We can be sure that God is firm in the things that he has promised and said. And I think we need to really clarify, and before we get through here, we need to clarify that you can choose not to be a part of this covenant relationship. Absolutely. You can choose to do that. Yeah. And a lot of people are doing that. There's a lot of people in our society today that have chosen to not listen to God and to and to do it their own way. I say, yeah, that sounds good, but I'm going to do it this way. Right. You know, yeah. and, and that's fine. God gives us the freedom to do that. This covenant's not binding on everybody. It is it is assigned to everybody. That rainbow is assigned. God's saying, I, there, there's a lot of people. You you go on the street and and talk to people. You talk to 100 people, and I bet you 97, 98 of them could not tell you what that 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 rainbow is a sign of a covenant with God. They may know that it's about the about something to do with the flood, but I think most of them will not have an, any clue that, that is that even it though they are ignorant, even though they don't mm-hmm. know these things, God is still faithful to His covenant. But but that's why we're doing this. That's right. We're doing this to try to help them not to be to to know some of these things, to look at some of these things, and say, well, how, what is this going to mean to me? What what does it mean? I'm, I'm not going to have a flood. That I'm not going to have to worry about. But you will have to you have you do have to deal with a with an awesome God, and you will have to do deal with judgment. Judgment is coming, and it means that you can depend on Him to do the things Absolutely. that He has said He's going to do. Absolutely, you know, Christ came and said, "I've come to give you life and give it to you abundantly, so that you may have it abundantly to, yeah, yeah. to the fullest." In some well, translations, a lot of people in our society, they, you said that twice now, and I and I thought of something I missed, I lost it, and I got it again. A lot of people don't don't tell the truth. You can't depend on what they say. That's and a lot of people. And, you know, I mean, every one of us has lied at some point. Every one of us has made a promise that we've broken to our families, to our mate. We promised to do something. We promised to go do this and didn't do it for God or whatever. And we got all kinds of excuses. And so we relegate God to the same mindset. We have that mindset that no politician, doctors are not telling me the truth. You know, you know my teacher's not telling me, whatever. All these people are not telling me the truth. Well, God must be the same way. Hmm. And the Bible says, wait a minute. No, he cannot lie. When he makes a promise, he cannot go back on his promise. That's right. You know, and we, we've relegated him to human status instead hmm. of relegated to him to spiritual God status and trying to get to him, we've brought him down to us. Hmm. And so we look at it and say, well, you know, I, I know this is pleasing to God. I know it is. How do you know? Well, I just I just feel in my heart that it's a good thing to do. You know, I'm yeah, I'm going well, I'm only going to the bar once a month now. I'm yeah. not going every week like I was before. And I know God's proud of me and I know that God's pleased with me. Really? How do you know that? Have you bothered to find out what God says? Yeah, have have you bothered to you know, I I don't know. You know, I mean, I found out a lot of things when I started studying that God wasn't pleased with. That I thought he was. I thought this but it's fine. Because I'm a really good guy, man. I'm okay. I ain't got. I got. I got at least ten of my ducks in a row. May not have all twenty, but I got ten of them in a row. I'm pretty doing pretty good. You know, I didn't realize that God's looking for me. He's looking to help me get all twenty in line. And He wants you to come to Him to do it. Yeah. He doesn't and, want you to do it on your own. No, and He doesn't and he want can. me to bring Him down and and, and me to say, "Oh, well, you're a God that's okay with me just having ten. No, He's not. He wants me to be perfect. He wants me. He he. His son died to give me perfection, to give me perfect peace and perfect harmony with him. Yeah. And I can't do that on my own. I can't. I, I, can't, I can't do it. Well, whether you have, can't have, or you won't. Well, well, I can't. 
what I found out when I started coming to him, I can't do this by myself. I've got to have God's help. Not that I did, didn't want to do it. I needed help. And thankfully, I had someone to teach me to tell me, I got just the guy for you that can help you get there. Right. And that's what we need to be doing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're trying to help you to find this. There is a covenant relationship that God has started here. He's gonna make more, and we're living in one right now because Jesus came to give us that covenant relationship. And all we have to do is accept it. Accept it and, and say, I yeah. want to be a part of it. And it's the easiest thing in the world. We every time it rains, we can look up and see Absolutely. that rainbow, Absolutely. and we can see that God is eternally Absolutely. faithful to what he has said he is going and to do. And just like that, this past Sunday morning took that cup and you know what I remembered? I remembered the rainbow. Not that rainbow. I remembered the promise of the covenant. Here Jesus said this is the blood of the new covenant that is that is that is shed for all men. Wow. And I got to partake of that and remember that Sunday morning. I and, and then when I see a rainbow I'm gonna remember this covenant, but I remember that covenant every Sunday morning. So we have a rainbow every Sunday morning. Something like it, yeah. Something like it. Yeah. Every Sunday morning. In our hearts, in my mind, it's a rainbow. So when I'm taking it and you look over and see me over there, you know what I've got my You're eyes dancing closed? on rainbows? Is I'm, that what's I'm going a, on? I'm thinking about a rainbow. Thinking, I'm thinking okay. about a rainbow. Thinking about a rainbow. <laughs> I am. All right. And I'm thinking about the sweet aroma that our life is if we're doing it with the right kind of heart. God tells us what kind of heart to do it with. And it's uh, just yeah. like I, we studied in our Sunday group and we talked about uh, praying and lifting up holy hands and doing it with the right mindset, praying with the right mindset, the right attitude, the right heart. You know, I mean, and God, that's, he says, God's pleased with that. That pleases him. You know, it's interesting that it's, you know, as, as David will say in the psalm, right, it's a broken and contrite heart that yeah. pleases God. Yeah. It's interesting that, you know, Christ also told a parable, you know, saying it's not that which goes into a man's mouth that defiles him, but that which comes out of his heart. Yeah. So from our heart, we pull things that either defile us or yeah. please God. Yeah. And I mean, you know, look, and you've, you preached it there. We saw the example with, with Noah. You know, what is righteousness before God? Trusting him, holding on to him, being obedient to him. You know, those are the things that are pleasing and righteous yeah. in God's eyes. Yeah. yeah. We're good. So next week, guys. Next week, we will continue the narrative arc and we will see just how sad, we'll see just how much Noah isn't the promised seed. Yeah. Because that story is coming. Because yeah. remember, we're, we're looking for that seed. We're looking for that seed of woman that that's coming that's yeah. supposed to crush the serpent's head yeah. and fix a lot of this stuff fix that's the going problem. on. Right. Fix and problem. so we're going to we're gonna see. We should be right now, if we're just reading through the story for the first time, we should be thinking it's Noah. Yeah. Noah's going to do it. He's already, he's look, righteous, and he was the only one. And we're, this, yeah. the new society the is coming, he right? Must be the guy. Well, we'll see what happens. Yeah, he's not. Let's pray, guys. Almighty God in heaven, thank you for uh, for blessing us with this study tonight. We thank you, Father, for uh, for those who will watch and those who will be affected in, in a positive way. Uh, we pray your blessings upon us as, as again as a church as we move forward, as we strive, Father, to remember the promises that you make and, and to line ourselves up with you and not try to make you into what we think you ought to be. Father, you, uh, you are an awesome God, and, and you're a loving God and a compassionate God, and you're a God that's looking for us to do the things that please you. Help us to find them, and then help us to have the courage to do them. And it's in the name of your Son we pray. Amen.